The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 27. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap, for the measure you give will be the measure you get back. For the gospel of the Lord, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, who loves us always, Jesus Christ, Redeemer and Friend, Holy Spirit, who inspires, comforts and guides, be with us as we reflect on these challenging words together. Amen. Jesus' challenge to love our enemies is a difficult and complex challenge since enemies come in all shapes and sizes. And likewise, our desire to retaliate takes many forms. Someone has described this passage about loving our enemies as Jesus' teaching on nonviolence for the violent, which is really applicable to all of us since we all have the capacity for violent retaliation within us. Recognizing the inner voice of violence which expresses itself in many and various ways through our thoughts and our words and our actions is one of the most important and difficult challenges of becoming a loving human and a follower of Christ. Jesus helps us out here and he gives us a bit of a litmus test to gauge the quality of our response to an enemy. Jesus says, do to others as you would have them do to you. In your heart of hearts, how do you want to be treated by others? Do you want to be the recipient of loving behavior? 
good beings shown love in generous ways that go beyond reciprocating what's expected transform you in some way? This can be a painful question for people who struggle to accept that they are worthy of love, as we all do from time to time. But hear these words, for God so loved the world that love came in all its fullness as God's gift to each and every person, Jesus Christ, Saviour, Redeemer and Friend. Jesus is the great reconciler. To be loved requires vulnerability, and we've learned from researchers like Dr. Brené Brown that vulnerability is vital to healthy relationships and to our capacity to assert what is right and just. It's just that being vulnerable doesn't always come easy to us. It takes courage. Love is complex and difficult to define. I'm not telling you anything new there. The love towards an enemy that Jesus commands is agape love, the same Greek word that is used to describe God's love for us, the love that is at the very heart of who God is. And this love always seeks the best for another. Justice and mercy and grace are active ingredients in the mix, along with forgiveness. Today's reading promotes love as strongly proactive, which resonates with the characteristics of love that Paul lists in 1 Corinthians 13. And we heard them in the video at the beginning of the service, for those who were here. Paul says, empty words count for nothing. Love is something we do and keep doing regardless of what life throws at us. Love is patient, kind and enduring and it goes beyond what's expected. Jesus exemplified proactive love in every aspect of his life and ministry and even in the generosity that he showed towards his accusers as he approached death. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Luke gives us Jesus' iconic story that illustrates that love of neighbor means actions and not words. In the parable, the Samaritan shows generous mercy and compassion to the Jewish traveler who has been beaten, robbed, and left for dead on the Jericho Road. The Samaritan loved his enemy, doing good to someone who hated him. Jesus says to those who are enemies or hate us or curse us or abuse us, love them, do good to them, bless them, pray for them. Bless here is different from the word that we heard last week in the context of blessed are the poor, hungry, and those who weep. This bless comes from eulogio, from which we get eulogize or to praise and to speak well of. But here's the dilemma. In asking us to respond to our enemies with love, doing good, blessing, and praying, is Jesus asking us to be doormats. 
is Jesus suggesting that we allow our enemies and those who have power over us to walk all over us and to have the upper hand? Is Jesus asking us to allow criminal behaviour perpetrated against us or others to continue? Is Jesus asking us to ignore the pain and injury that we have experienced at the hands of another's destructive behaviour? No, he is not. To allow that is not a loving response towards ourselves or to our enemy. There is no part of giving permission for destructive behaviour to continue that has anyone's best interests at heart. So how can we express love and be assertive in the face of injustice while still holding a stance of non-violence? I'm aware that for many people to love, do good, bless and pray for the person or people who have acted violently against them or their loved ones is an extraordinarily difficult task. And perhaps right now you're feeling anger. Perhaps you're holding back tears or feeling distress and pain because of the actions of an enemy or an abuser. I want us to pause for a moment and to honour that. In this moment to acknowledge those whose lives have been lost or changed forever because of acts of violence and abuse. To love can sometimes be a really, really big ask. In this passage, there's plenty of scope for misunderstanding or misconstruing the writer's intent, especially in those references to cultural practices that were particular to the gospel's time and place. The whole turn the other cheek idea has often been taken out of context to imply passive, a passive doormat-like quality. And at times it's led to Christians appearing cowardly and complicit in the face of injustice. Jackson was really interested in today's reading when he was aware of what it was. And so I asked him to put down some thoughts. And this is what he wrote. I think this passage is trying to teach something quite the opposite. Jesus isn't telling us to submit to evil, but to oppose evil on its own terms, to not let the oppressor dictate the rules of our own lives. Jesus is urging us to transcend passivity and violence altogether by finding an alternate path, one that can be assertive and nonviolent at the same time. Turn the other cheek isn't telling us to submit to wrongdoing. It's encouraging us to create a world where the blind, the captive, and the oppressed can love and be loved. In Matthew's Gospel, a parallel passage reads like this. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. One commentator suggests that to strike someone on the right cheek requires a backhand hit with your right hand. You wouldn't use your left hand to strike 
and to hit someone who's beneath you in status, you use a backhand strike, perhaps a slave or a woman or a child. To strike on the left cheek, you're engaging as an equal. So to turn the other cheek throws the oppressor, the aggressor, off balance, offering the power of choice about whether to engage as one with dominance and power over or as an equal. Jackson gives a great example of what this looks like in practice. The Pink Shirt Anti-Bullying Day emerged from a story in 2007 where a Canadian ninth grader turned up to his first day of school in a pink polo shirt. He was relentlessly bullied for his fashion choice. That afternoon, two Year 12 students went to the shops and bought 50 pink T-shirts and distributed them for students to wear the next day, which they did. These two students found a way to respond to bullying that transcended retaliation and submission and helped to create the world that we now live in that celebrates and encourages anti-bullying everywhere. Jesus is telling us to create God's kingdom on earth by finding an alternative path, one that can be assertive and non-violent at the same time. So right here, right now, in our world, how can we help one another find a loving way to respond to our enemies, whatever form they may take, where we're neither frightened into submission nor call us to retaliate with violence. Rather, we find and assert a life-giving way forward. How do we do that? This is a really important question because daily we hear disclosures of harmful, abusive power in almost every domain of human activity. How is reconciliation of any kind possible? And of course, the way that we do respond will depend on the nature of our enemy and of their actions towards us. I'm going to focus on something that is one of the biggest social issues facing Queenslanders, and it's that of domestic violence, which can include emotional abuse, threatening, coercive or controlling behaviour, physical or sexual abuse, and also spiritual abuse. The Anglican Church of Australia recently researched family violence and its prevalence, experience and impact for those who identify as Anglicans. The results were quite confronting. The General Synod Family Violence Working Group has prepared a response and it begins something like this. Violence in our communities is unacceptable, whether it occurs in the street, our home, workplace or churches and whether it is perpetrated by men or by women. Our Christian scriptures proclaim the equality of every human being and demand that our behaviour towards others is characterised by the behaviour of God towards us, of justice, love and mercy, of compassion, patience and a mission to heal the sick and mend the brokenhearted. To help prevent and address the injustice of domestic and family violence and to respond with care and compassion towards those who are affected, 10 commitments for the 
prevention of and response to domestic and family violence have been created as a tool to help resource and empower the church to bring about change and improve the preventative work that we do in our parishes and beyond. These 10 commitments include the following. Church leaders commit to ensuring conditions that support the prevention of violence and a ch church culture that promotes equality, support for those who experience violence. Our church affirms that human relationships are to be based on respect and mutuality and the value of every human person. Our church teaches about equality, freedom from violence and of respectful relationships. Our church actions are directed by the gospel of love, peace and justice and informed and engaged with relevant government initiatives. And our church trains our leaders, our pastoral staff and our parish councils to understand and to be equipped to respond in ways that prevent and address domestic and family violence. A lot of this we are beginning to do. And in our diocese, Anglicare provides care and support for women, men and children who've experienced domestic violence, which is one of the most common reasons that people become homeless. We know that exposure to such trauma can lead to lifelong emotional and psychological impact, especially for children. The journey to love and genuinely wanting the best for an abuser without compromising your own well-being or seeking retaliation can be a long and exhausting journey. Counselors, psychologists and pastors can offer guidance and support in this journey. Loving our enemy and wanting the best for them is a lifelong quest. It requires patience and courage and the capacity to forgive amongst other things. It never means that we condone wrong things. Being informed is one of the ways that we can help to stop the cycle of violence so that victims are empowered to no longer be doormats and perpetrators can be offered restorative programs. May we all together encourage and care for one another as we try to respond to our enemies, whoever they are and whatever it is that they have done, with love, doing good, speaking well of them where we can and praying for them as we are able. In doing so, we will receive a generous measure in return. Amen.